What's up, Cyber and Crypto World? Man, it's been a crazy weekend, but I hope you're doing good today. Today's Monday, everybody's favorite day. It's October the 21st of 2019. This is episode number 91 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptocurrency guy. All right, there's been a lot of news over the last few days, so we're going to try to get through all these topics in a reasonable amount of time, if at all possible. So on the cybersecurity side of things, we're going to talk about yet another database leak. This one was a pretty big one. We're also going to talk about Avast, the free antivirus company. Also going to touch briefly on Equifax and that whole issue there. Some other news here was about NordVPN, so we'll talk about that. And then kind of some privacy-related stuff. Alexa and Google voice devices. We'll talk about those. Also talk really quickly about the Samsung Galaxy S10 fingerprint reader. We'll also touch on insider attacks and a new privacy bill that's uh, being proposed. Also going to talk a little bit as well about Deep Instinct again and some of the things I've learned about deep learning. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk about the new HTC Exodus phone. Also going to talk about Zcash. Libra is, of course, always on the list, it seems like. Also touch on Bitcoin lightning attacks. We'll also talk about the Bitcoin halving coming up again. We'll also talk about some executives that were charged for a Ponzi scheme. And then last but not least, we'll talk about an airport that was riddled with Bitcoin mining malware. So that's a bunch of topics to get to today. So we'll see if we can jump through these as quick as possible. So before we get into any of those news-related topics, I did want to briefly talk about, and if you haven't heard the podcast since the beginning, then you may not know why the heck I put cybersecurity and crypto in the same podcast. So my logic there was, yes, I'm, of course, very passionate about both and I work in the cybersecurity industry, and I'm a wannabe crypto trader. But also, too, there's so much crossover between hacks that happen and also with cryptocurrency. You can think of uh, mining malware that's out there. You can think of all the crypto exchanges that get hacked. A lot of things like that are still very much cybersecurity related. So that's kind of why I put this whole thing together and I wanted to talk about both topics because they seem to cross over very much. So anyway, I just wanted to give some context there for folks that haven't listened since the beginning. All right, let's dive right in here. So Deep Instinct, I've been learning more about deep learning. Uh, Deep Instinct, again, is the company that I talked about, I think, last podcast episode. They're doing deep learning and neural networks to detect malware. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, Everything I've read about deep learning, I had no idea what deep learning was prior to this. And the more I read about it, the better it sounds. And essentially, you know, in a nutshell of, of everything I've read about deep learning, deep learning is essentially the next evolution of AI and machine learning. So typical AI and machine learning is just, you know, we're still telling it, hey, look for these things. And the AI is going out there and looking for exactly what we tell it to look for. But at least we're not going out there and looking for it, right? But the neural networks is really the game changer here. You're training whatever it is like a brain. And that's what's really cool. So I saw some some articles about, you know, you could use the same type of technology for chat bots online. Apparently Google has a bunch of these uh, neural networks that they've worked on that run a lot of their services. So it's it's certainly cool to see an antivirus company coming out and doing 
the same thing with some technology that appears to be far superior to current AI and machine learning. So kudos to the guys at Deep Instinct. It's so far, I've been really impressed with them. Uh, we're starting a POC with them here in the next couple of weeks. So I'll be running it through the gamut of all kinds of malware that I can possibly find. And, and we'll see what happens from there. And I'll, of course, report back on it once that's done. But so far, it's been pretty awesome just learning about deep learning as well. I'd, I'd never even thought of that or or even seen that topic brought up or seen that technology brought up at all. So it's been really cool to, to learn how that all works. All right, aside from that, uh, let's dive into some of these news articles here. So if you've ever heard of the company called Auto Clerk, they are essentially a company that helps uh, people essentially rent a car or register for a hotel room, whatever it is, right? I mean, it could be a myriad of things. Primarily, though, I believe it's reservations for, for hotel rooms. So this service manages, you know, the bookings, the revenue, loyalty programs, payment information, all kinds of fun stuff like that, right? Well, guess what? There was an open database that exposed quite a bit of information, including U.S. military personnel and officials from the government. So this is a pretty nasty leak here. And guess what type of database it was? <laughs> Everybody with me now. Elasticsearch. Yay! Man, can we not configure these things right? So yet another one of these out there on the web, unprotected, yet again, leaking all kinds of information. And now you're even including you know, military and, and government officials in there. Oh man, it's a big one. So the, the huge risk that they're saying here in the article is they're talking about the uh, U.S. government and military stuff that was leaked. And they're basically saying there's a significant amount of, of sensitive employee and military personnel data that could now be out there in the wild. And that could give some insight to the operations and activities uh, of the U.S. government and the military, which of course could then in turn pose some national security implications for the United States. So that is pretty wild. The company that found this is called VPN Mentor. And the total amount of data was 179 gigabytes of data. They still haven't said how many people were affected by this. And I don't know if they will. Uh, but the article right now does not list the amount of people. But you can imagine with 179 gigs worth of data, there's quite a few in there, I would think. So yet again, another Elasticsearch database that somebody did not configure correctly. As with anything that you do, don't put a database out there on the web with a default password. Don't even open it up to the web if you don't have to. Why this keeps happening is just shocking to me. It's like, why do we keep opening these up? And then if you do open it up, you leave a crappy password on there. I just don't understand. Put it behind a firewall. Block it off. Don't open the ports unless you absolutely have to. And if you do open the ports, make sure you've at least got a good password on there. Ideally though, you'd make somebody connect to a VPN first, so that way they're VPNed into your network and then they should be able to access the database. Of course, that's in a perfect world. All right, some other news here about Avast. So apparently Avast has uh, basically become a victim of cyber espionage a campaign uh, that basically saw hackers gain deep access into its network. And it, this is a part of this that I did not know. Apparently Avast is a Czech company from Czechoslovakia. So that's news to me. I actually did not know that. But they've got 400 million customers worldwide and they offer, of course, antivirus and I'm sure some other cybersecurity related products. I think they've got a VPN and, and some other things 
too, I'm sure. So Avast is basically saying that their internal network was breached using a username and password for a temporary VPN account. And that account had mistakenly been kept open and did not require a second factor of authentication. So the hackers were essentially going after passwords, primarily it looks like, and they were also successful in getting those passwords. So if you use anything from Avast, now is probably a good time to change your password or just don't use it. They've of course offered their free antivirus for such a long time. And what's the real price of a free antivirus? Well, now you're kind of seeing some of that, right? All right. Some other news here. Equifax, just real briefly. I thought this was funny. Uh, Equifax, of course, we all know the massive hack that happened with them. They created a portal, of course, to get people to uh, go to that portal and check if they were affected, all those good things. However, they used a default admin password to secure that portal. And this is all detailed out in a lawsuit. I just, I'm shocked that these things still happen with these default accounts. And Equifax is no exception there. They're a massive company, but even they make mistakes like this with default credentials out there on a publicly facing website. All those things of which are are really easily preventable if you have any sort of QA or any sort of checks and balances, you would think. But who knows if Equifax has those things. I certainly don't know. But anyway, I thought that was just funny more than anything. And that's coming out in the big fat lawsuit against them. So we'll see... How that all ends up, uh, I think a couple of months ago, you could go to that same site and if you wanted to sign up for credit monitoring, you know, you could for free or you could opt to take a $120 payout. I don't know if that's still happening or not, but apparently a whole bunch of people went out there and asked for their $120. <laughs> all right, some other news here about NordVPN. They were also breached. One of their data centers in Finland was breached all the way back in March of 2018. 18. So Nord basically said that the data center provider had some sort of remote access tool that NordVPN was unaware of, and hackers were basically able to use that remote access tool to then get into the Nord network and essentially try to do whatever they wanted to do there. But of course, Nord is coming out and saying all the right things. There's no real big data loss here, it doesn't look like. There's no huge uh, list of usernames and passwords that were intercepted or breached. This is more of just a, a a privacy issue more than anything. But if you think about it, if you're connecting to a VPN, to this Nord VPN server, you're still on the VPN. So even if you were doing a man in the middle from that specific server, you would think you may not see that encrypted data, but you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what the, what these hackers were after nonetheless, but definitely a privacy concern. And you know, nobody is safe here. Nord is still probably one of the best for privacy concerns. No one is safe from getting hacked these days. All right, some other news here that I have to say I saw coming from 11 bajillion miles away, but the Google Home and Alexa home devices, those smart little speakers, guess what? They are spying on you, and apparently they're being used to fish passwords. I thought this was an interesting article, but, I mean, are we surprised? I mean, this was bound to happen. And now we, of course, have a legit case of it, and we actually know that, yes, it did happen. 
So here we go, man. Smart home tech. Yay! So if you have any of those smart home devices, they do have a mute button or a mute option on a lot of them. So if you don't trust them, you might want to go ahead and mute them just in case. You just never know who's trying to fish your password. All right, there's some other news here about the Galaxy S10. And it's good old fingerprint reader. Well, this one's built into the screen. I think it was their first generation of one of these that was built into the screen. Well, you know how first gen of any new tech goes. Well, this one got defeated pretty easily. There's a, a British woman who was trying to unlock her husband's phone. And she used her fingerprint and boom, she got in. And Samsung basically says it's because of the screen protector that she was using. And it wasn't a, what they call it, a Samsung approved screen protector. She purchased the screen protector for a whopping $3. So Samsung did come out and say that they're going to release a software update to address that problem. There's another article, too, the other day about insider attacks. And apparently these folks think that insider attacks are going to be more prevalent and they're going to cost less than malware-based uh, attacks and all that kind of stuff. And I think these are already going on. I mean, we, we saw one the other day about AT&T. They had some insiders there. You know, they pay employees that probably don't care about their job enough. And the employees go in and plant whatever bug they need to for the hackers. And we've seen this happen before. So I'm sure it's happening other places than AT&T. So it's not like it's anything new. But it's certainly not going to take the place of, of phishing emails. I mean, that's, that's the bread and butter for all these hackers. They're trying to fish you. They're trying to get your password. That's not going to go away. Plus, most hackers don't want to meet you face-to-face -to, -face to broker some kind of a deal where you're the insider and... You know, they're going to pay you for, you know, planning some sort of bug on the network. Well, they don't want to be face-to-face -face with you at all. Guarantee you that. That's why the, the remote hacking is still going to be way prevalent. All right, the last thing here in cybersecurity, there's a U.S. senator who's trying to introduce a privacy bill that would put CEOs in jail for user privacy violations. Wow, that's pretty hardcore, right? Sounds really bad on the surface, but if you go in and read the article, it's only if it's deliberately ignoring privacy laws. So if the CEO of whatever company is trying to protect themselves and something happens, then they're not going to be thrown in jail. But if it's very obvious that they weren't trying to protect anything and didn't give a crap, those are the ones that are going to go to jail. Of course, this law has not passed yet. It's just being presented. So I saw something similar to this. Uh, I guess it's been several months now where they were talking about jailing CIOs and now they've, they've upped it to CEOs. <laughs> so we'll see if this kind of thing actually comes to fruition, but maybe it makes, you know, the leaders at companies take this stuff more seriously. Privacy is a big deal. All right, let's jump into some cryptocurrency news. HTC, the phone maker, announced that they're going to release what's called the Exodus 1. And this is their new flagship phone, apparently. And guess what? It's a blockchain phone. We've seen this a lot here lately, and it's no different than putting a crypto wallet app on your phone, folks. It's no different. HTC is claiming it is different because you can run a full Bitcoin node on your phone. Well, you could do the same thing if an app was created for that. You don't have to have a phone just for that. Are people really buying into that? 
Does it make you want to go buy the HTC phone now that you know it's quote-unquote a blockchain phone? Samsung did the same kind of thing, and you can't even tell any difference with the phone at all. Well, I'm certainly not buying it. And it's no different than getting an app for your phone. I just don't understand it. But apparently they get some sort of uh, people that fall for it, I guess. I mean, there's really no difference, though, folks. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's running Android or whatever it is. And all it does is just it probably has their own proprietary crypto wallet app that they've developed. That's it. That's all it's doing. Nothing different. So it's not really a blockchain phone. It's There's no difference. All right, some other news here about Zcash. The developers and the community members of Z, Zcash, they had noticed a malicious wallet has been out in the wild now for a while, uh, for at least the last couple of months. And this wallet was apparently mocking or looking exactly like the real Zcash wallet, and it was stealing people's funds left and right. So if you use Zcash and you have their wallet, you might want to double-check, make sure it's the right one. We saw a similar kind of thing with the Electrum Bitcoin wallet a while back, but this is, I guess, one of the threats with open source anything. If it's community developed and one of those developers wants to do something nefarious, well, guess what? They can probably sneak that into the code somewhere and boom, before you know it, someone's stealing your crypto. In this case, though, they, they basically just took the source code and created their own version of it, and it was apparently malicious. All right, some other news here about the story that keeps on giving Facebook Libra. Well, we all know that last week all of their backers like MasterCard and everybody else pulled out of the project. They're no longer supporting it whatsoever. Well, Facebook Libra is still trying to make that thing happen. They're pulling out all the stops. So what they're going to try to do now is rewrite a bunch of the code and issue individual fiat stable coins. Why is this I mean, why is this helpful? I mean, what what are we doing different than a USDC coin? There's no difference. And I always go back to how many forms of payment do we really need? How many cryptocurrencies do we really need? Really, just one. We just need to make payments. It really blows my mind how many different cryptos there are out there right now. Anyway, Libra is not going to let it die, so we'll see what happens. Maybe this somehow gets them across the finish line. I just seriously doubt it. I don't know what good this is going to do, if any. All right, there was some other news here about the Bitcoin Lightning Network and some what they're calling hacks, or I guess attacks, that could slow down and or stop Bitcoin Lightning payments. So if you're not familiar with Bitcoin Lightning, it's just a, uh, it basically sits on top of the Bitcoin blockchain and it makes payments a bajillion times faster than current Bitcoin is. Bitcoin right now, as you know, you send some and you'll see it initially, but it doesn't actually fully get confirmed until about half an hour later sometimes. So the Bitcoin Lightning Network is still very young. It basically just came out, I think, earlier this year. So it's got a long ways to go as far as security goes and we've seen similar types of attacks like this where it's like a denial of service type of attack on on the bitcoin network itself and other many other cryptocurrencies too we've also seen things like the 51 percent attack all kinds of stuff like that so 
it's just kind of growing pains, I think, for the, the Bitcoin Lightning folks. But definitely keep an eye on that and uh, be a little careful if you're going to use it. All right, I see all these articles here lately about the Bitcoin halving that's coming up in 2020. And damn near everybody is saying that the price is just going to go through the roof after this happens. I'm no trading expert and certainly don't take my trading advice, but this many people coming out and saying that it's going to be great for Bitcoin. I, I have no idea if that'll actually happen. Nobody really does, right? But if this many people are coming out and saying this, really makes me think twice. Makes me wonder, can that many crypto traders be wrong? Makes you think, doesn't it? Saw this article too today about a Ponzi scheme, a crypto Ponzi scheme that got found out and those guys are going to jail for quite a while. It was about $11 million. And it's interesting because people think that they can hide behind cryptocurrency and there's just no, no ramifications for it. But you can't really hide behind it all that well and yes you can still be held responsible and those guys are now proving that for all of us so i'll post that in the show notes if you want to check that out as well and then last but not least there was a report today about an airport in europe that was quote-unquote riddled with bitcoin mining malware they're not naming who the airport or airline is but only to say that almost all of their workstations were infected with this Bitcoin mining malware. And you think about it, why doesn't antivirus catch that kind of stuff, right? Well, a lot of these mining programs themselves are not malicious. They are used by legitimate miners to mine for crypto, right? So that's how this gets around a lot of the antivirus products out there. Of course, some do catch this kind of stuff, and I think you can, you know, tune your AV to catch that kind of thing. But the vast majority do not, and they'll allow that through because there's nothing malicious about it, right? So that's how this one kind of evaded detection for a while there, they're saying, and... You know, I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. Makes you wonder what else those hackers got from that uh, airport. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. At CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.